um, with any of those chains that are wrapped right now. Uh, the name of Jesus, those chains are gone. Lord, that you do the work in us. Uh, thank you for the victory that we could sing about this morning. Uh, thank you for your word, uh, just the blessing of your word this morning now as we sit and learn uh, and receive from you. Uh, thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. May be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. I've got a few here this morning, right? We've got some visitors, so I'm glad you're here too. If you're online visiting, welcome. Uh, if you're in person, <clears throat> glad you're here too. Uh, either way, uh, reach out, leave some information for us. There should be a card we can get to you uh, there in service, and uh, you can fill that out and give it to us uh, before you leave. I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. <clears throat> and so, yeah, well, my name's Michael. I'm the pastor here, and uh, we're coming up on uh, three years um, pastoring here. And so today I'm actually going to talk about leadership, about the pastorate, and about uh, deacons. So just kind of how our church is structured as well. Um, not necessarily the differences between us and other churches, but just what God's expectation for leadership is. Uh, and I feel like it's been, um, it's been a hard season for leaders. Uh, people in any positions of uh, authority that give direction to others, um, whether that be um, from the government side, um, from the uh, spiritual side, uh, from the school side even. There's been a lot of that this week. And so um, I just want you guys to know I've been praying for leaders. I hope you do too. Um, I think this goes beyond just church leadership. Uh, we talked about last week the expectation for uh, men and women, um, for leaders in the home and in the church. And today we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper, okay? Uh, and so <clears throat> if you can grab your Bibles, we'll be in First Timothy. We've actually been in a series uh, called Enduring Faith. Um, if you know anything about life, and about faith in particular, it can be a long journey, right? It can be a hard one. And especially at times like this, we, like the series we, we were going through before, we asked the why questions. How do we get through difficulty, uncertain times, the anxiety that's caused by life and the culture that we live in? Well, I think a lot of it goes back to who do we allow to lead? Who do we allow to govern? Who sets the tone? Um, I can't tell you how thankful um, I am for the group of leadership that we have here at the church and specifically um, our deacons, um, guys that I've just walked alongside uh, for almost three years through a lot of stuff, through a lot of stuff. And um, I'd be lying to you if I said it was easy, right? Um, but, but man, am I thankful um, for our team. So uh, I want to just give them that affirmation first and then talk to you about what, what was going on in the culture. So we've got a lot of leadership opposition now. Um, nobody seems to be able to do things right, right? I mean, that's the next headline. It's like something happened and someone is to blame, Right? Now, I'm not saying at times that that's not true, right? Ultimately, the buck stops with someone. But the truth is, we, we, normally we jump to antagonism first, don't we? Uh, we jump to attack, right? So the, today isn't going to be a, here's a list of things that church leadership should be doing. So when you don't see those, you know, jump on them and beat them up about it, right? That's not what we, we want to be about in our church, church culture. We want to um, kind of lay out the way that God's designed the church to work and operate in leadership and go, how can we affirm and how can we build up this um, <clears throat> through God's help, of course. Uh, and so, as I've showed you guys things um, just throughout this series, I want to show you another slide, um, something that relates to today. Um, if you go to uh, Turkey, which might not ever get to go there, and that's okay. There's a lot of historical things that are going on uh, that I want to show you. If you go to Turkey, you'll see uh, in Istanbul, Turkey, uh, a place called the Commercial Agora. Now, this is a place that uh, all the business leaders, like people in society, they would go to and they would conduct their business. They had offices there. They would do trade. And so this was the place you would go 
where you would find the leadership in the place known as Ephesus, which is where Paul is writing this letter to. He's not only writing to Timothy, remember? So he writes the book of Ephesus to the church in Ephesus, but he also writes the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy to Timothy while he's pastoring in Ephesus. And so this is written to the church and to Timothy. <clears throat> and Timothy, well, he, he's in the setting as the pastor, as a young pastor. And Paul's writing to him, trying to give him some helpful pointers about what's going on in the culture and how the church should be led because it was very different in the way that culture was led. And so some of the things that you may think of in regards to you know, good business leaders or people in culture, you might look for things like influence, right? So unless a CEO can get on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whatever it is, I'm not on most of that stuff, but if they can get on there and they can influence people to believe something or follow them in a particular way, then they're considered a leader. And that's what the culture defines as one aspect of leadership. Uh, resilience is another one. Um, there's a lot of companies that have risen and, and fallen in the last couple of years too. And, and one of the things, if you look up like leadership qualities in culture, you'll see resilience pretty much right up there at the top. Like how can you last in the things that have gone on the last several years unless you're resilient? Because some people have just thrown in the towel. They're like, I'm not doing this anymore. And some people have been resilient. So again, that's another thing that culture would define as a good leadership quality. Another thing is adaptability. I mean, my goodness, um, if we haven't had to adapt, right? Uh, and there's a reason that people are hearing what's going on right now online, because we've had to adapt, right? There's things that we've done over the last several years that we've just, like, I, I thought, man, I, I didn't know we'd be doing that, right? But now you can pretty much, anywhere in the world, you can watch any church service you want from anywhere, or anything else for that matter. And so another one of those things is adaptability. And certainly we've applied some of those concepts to the church, but today I want to look at what God sees as leadership qualities of being above reproach, dedicated to one's only spouse, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, managing his household well, not a recent convert, well thought of, dignified, not double-tongued, not greedy, Holding to the faith, tested, blameless, and for the wives as well of leaders, dignified, not slanders, sober-minded, and faithful. Now, when we look at that list, we think, how could anyone do those things? Well, no one can do them perfectly, but it's certainly the standard and the goal that God has set. And so I want to go through them just as what the Scripture tells us here. And so the first fill in the blank, there's only two. So it makes it really easy today. You can just fill those in and not have to stress about making sure you don't forget any. Is the pastor elder. So, pastor, elder. Um, <clears throat> now, a lot of these texts, you go through First Timothy, um, you might have been in another church, you might have heard a series, and, and a lot of times there's texts that are just skipped over or avoided. Um, and, and like I've said before, there's things that we don't want to skip over, we don't want to avoid, we want to give the whole counsel of God's word. And, and while we're reading this, I don't want you to hear, well, this is about what you're supposed to do, pastor. Um, this is about what our church leadership is supposed to do. If we look at the qualities and characteristic traits of a leader, they're pretty similar to just everyday believers as well, okay? And so as we hear this, I don't want us to go, this is not for me, right? Because it's for everybody, okay? Um, but specifically for our church leadership and a standard that we should look to. And so in verse 1, it says, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Uh, I love when you, you first start reading this, and Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's uh, he, he wants him to hear this, but he wants the church to hear this as well. He's saying, this saying is trustworthy. There were a lot of things that were bouncing around culture that people were saying were truth, but weren't really truth. They were just ideas that somebody came up with. And Paul's saying, hey, this comes from God. It's trustworthy. If anyone aspires the office of overseer, he desires 
a noble task. And notice when Paul doesn't say to Timothy while he's pastoring in the church, he desires an easy task, right? If we know anything about culture, if we know anything about the church and everything that leadership in the church and the New Testament experienced, none of it was easy, right? It's not an easy thing, but when God gives you a responsibility or a task, you go, okay, that's going to be hard, but I know you can help me do that. Um, one of the things when I was reading this text, I, I went back to in my mind, it was many years ago, um, I was, uh, well, I was aware about where our kids are going to be going to camp in a couple of months. I was at a youth camp. And um, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of great things going on, a lot of good teaching. But at the end of the week, the speaker got up and he, he gave a call. It would be an altar call. He talked about the gospel, what we believe in, saves you. And he said, if anyone's made that decision this week, I just want you to stand up and I want you to come up here. And so there's a group of people who had made first-time decisions, kids, who had put their faith and trust in Jesus. And so that was great. That was awesome. And then he said, okay, if there's a group of you, maybe you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, but um, you haven't gotten baptized yet, right? So b- baptism by immersion. So if you haven't done that yet, then I'd like you to come up and we just want to celebrate with you. And I was not prepared for what was about to happen next. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, great, you know, we're celebrating. And then he says, I think there's a few of you in here who are going to serve the Lord with your life in vocational ministry. And my heart just sank at that moment because I knew that God was calling me into that. And I was going like, I don't think I want to do that, <laughs> God. And, pretend, and especially get up in front of people. I love like the tech side of things, like the lights and the sound. So I was really involved doing that in youth ministry. And then in that moment, God was like, that's what I want you to do. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to do that. He's like, well, too bad, right? Uh, and so, <laughs> luckily, there was one other guy, right? So, so, so I'm, I'm like, God, I'm going to be the only person that's going to stand up. I don't want to do this. And uh, so I, I stood up. I didn't know there was anybody else. I stood up, and I came to the front, and there was me and one other guy. I don't know where that guy is. I don't even remember his name, but I was too freaked out by what was going on. And so I stood up there, and that was when God called me into ministry. And that was when I was 17 years old. And so all these years later, I, uh, you know, I look back, and I go, it wasn't easy, right? Um, was it a noble task? Was it a difficult thing? Yes. Um, has God um, guided me through that? Definitely. Um, I've seen a lot of blessing and just God do some amazing things. Not through me, uh, but through him. <clears throat> and so I'm thankful for that. And so huh, who aspires to the office of overseer desires, desires a noble task? Um, <clears throat> and so just to talk a little bit about the leadership structure of our church as well. So um, we're congregationally led. Um, so the church looks for a pastor. They did that with us. And um, and found someone, got connected with us, and brought us to the church. And I spoke a couple of times, and, and the church prayed and voted for us to come here. So that was almost three years ago. And so I serve in this role of teaching on a regular basis, so most sun- Sundays. Um, you'll see me up here. Uh, and then <clears throat> one of the other things that, um, that I'm tasked with doing is providing like vision for the church. So which, what is our vision statement? We want to be about loving Christ, growing the church, and reaching the community. So uh, most companies, most organizations, and especially churches should have something that defines who they are, um, and that's how we define that. Um, and then uh, what I try to do alongside the deacon board is provide spiritual oversight and direction of ministries for the church and what we do on a regular basis. Um, so that's what we do. And then the deacon board as well, um, we do this together again, providing spiritual oversight, accountability, um, teaching. And so I'm, I'm always excited when I get to hear um, from one of our other guys. It's one of the things that I was listening to messages while the church didn't have a pastor. So nobody was up here on a regular basis. It was guest speakers. Um, and I listened to our guys, to our deacons, to our deacons right now. And I was like, man, like God is really using those guys. And uh, so a lot of the conversations we had when I first came was, um, 
hey, do you think you guys want to keep doing this? And uh, I, got, I don't know, I guess. And, and I was like, what I told them is, I know that God's called you guys out to do this. And so you may hear from him like once a year. Um, <clears throat> if you didn't know, Christy is very pregnant, my wife. And uh, so we're, we're not there yet, yet. Uh, but that'll happen really soon. And so um, you'll get to hear from some of our guys, including uh, our intern, David, uh, who'll be speaking. But I always love that time because um, there's something <clears throat> about leadership in a church, and it should be this way, that there's somebody who provides teaching and vision on a regular basis. But there's also a group of men who've been called to lead out in the church and uh, provide teaching and accountability. And so that's what these guys do, and I'm excited about that. And now let's just kind of go over this list together. So starting in verse 2, it says, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. So what is this word overseer? In the Greek, it's the word episkopos. Um, and you're like, I think I've heard that before. Uh, that's because there's another denomination called the Episcopal denomination um, who uses that. And there's a lot of different words. If you look at the slide, there's several words that are used throughout the New Testament to define like eldership and overseer and pastor and shepherd. And many of them are used interchangeably as well. Um, so today for our purposes, we're talking about the pastoral role and the elder role, which I do believe that our deacons really kind of fit in partially to that as well because they teach and do different things like that. So who are we talking about? That person, the overseer. Um, <clears throat> here's the definition. A man charged with the duty of seeing that things be done by others or are done rightly, uh, a guardian or superintendent, elders or overseer of a Christian church. In Acts 20, the same words used here for overseer says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his blood. Um, this is always the thing that scared me the most. I think about um, being a pastor, I'm like, God, that's a huge responsibility. And I don't want to mess that up. And like every single, like, almost every single day I'm just praying like, God, let me, let me, let me be who I need to be for you. Like, help me to do that. Um, and so we <clears throat> have to approach leadership from this perspective. And, and there is a great deal of weight. If you've ever been in any sort of leadership role, making decisions for others or leading, um, you know that's the case. And, and here's the weight of this, the overseer to care for the church of God, which he obtain, obtained with his own blood. So what is this person responsible for? Well, and I believe our deacon board as a whole to provide accountability and spiritual direction for the church. And who's the church? The bride of Christ. Because what did Jesus do for us? Well, he paid for our sin on the cross with his blood. It's a high price, isn't it? It should be something that we cherish, our church family um, together. And uh, I should lead well in our deacons as well. And so what's the next thing? Above reproach, anapalapatos in the Greek. Don't try to say that because it took me a while to even go through that. Uh, <clears throat> so what is this person uh, above, who is above reproach? Someone who has not committed an offense or can be charged with anything an upright citizen and faithful steward of God. Um, now, this can go a number of different ways. Paul was talking to a church at the time in Ephesus that uh, was going through a lot of change, a lot of difficulty. They were a new church, and what they didn't know was there was going to be extreme opposition that was going to come really, really soon. So Nero, who was the emperor, if you go from 1 Timothy, where things are kind of like, okay, people are still getting persecuted for their faith, and you go to 2 Timothy, which is just a few years later when Paul writes 2 Timothy, there's this big fire that's happened in Rome, they didn't have fire departments or anything, so there's a big fire, which was bad. And then Nero goes, it was the Christians who did this. And then Christians start just getting persecuted really badly. And so you, you've got this transition point, and Paul's saying before this, hey, um, <clears throat> these guys need to be above reproach. So what happens if you're a Christian in a culture that believes that Christians are the are enemies of the state? 
Well, you become someone who is either an outlaw um, or you're persecuted for that. So when we read this, we have to be careful because when Paul's saying this, he's going, hey, someone who has not committed offense, basically an upright or upstanding citizen. Well, what do we know about persecution? Well, if push comes to shove, we're, we're not going to say the Bible's not real. The Bible's not the truth. That's what we stand on in God, and we uh, will not recant that, right? So what the Christians were going through then was, <clears throat> okay, all you have to do, this is what the emperor and everybody who was, in, who was leading or in charge said from the government perspective, uh, all you have to do is just say Jesus is not God. Like, just say Nero's God, and then we're good. You're not gonna have, nothing's going to happen to you. Well, they wouldn't do that. So what is being above reproach? What does that mean when that's the case? Well, we stay faithful to God, right? We're still upright even if there's opposition, okay? So uh, luckily, we live in a free country. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, we live in a place where we can celebrate Memorial Day, and it's like people celebrate those who have gone before us and died to protect our country. So we live in a free country, and it's amazing. Um, so we can say this, and we go, an upright standing citizen, somebody who obeys the law in our culture and obeys God's word. So that's a good thing, right? So when you look at this person, that's who you should see. The husband of one wife, it's actually a phrase um, in the Greek and um, policy for our church. So, And I don't want to uh, skirt anybody under the rug either. Say, so, hey, if you've been in a difficult circumstance, if you've been divorced and remarried, um, not beating anybody up. I just want to share what our standard for the church is. So, And it says right here, the husband of one wife. So, And Paul was actually writing this to mean a number of things as well. Um, there, were other, there were other things going on like polygamy. So he's going husband of one wife, right? So some churches, some uh, denominations will take this and they'll go, well, one wife at one time, right? And so we would say, say one wife for life, right? And that's the deal, of course, unless the spouse passes away. Um, <clears throat> so I like what Matthew Henry's commentary says about this. He says, he must be the husband of one wife, not having given a bill of divorce to one and then taken another or not having many wives at once as this, at this time, was too common among Jews and Gentiles, especially among the Gentiles. And so what we talked about last week was, like, uh, the culture couldn't, couldn't even get the family unit right. They couldn't get marriage right. Um, husband and wife were, were not one unit. They were um, seeking relationships and knowledge outside of the marriage relationship. And when they were going to church, things were kind of not working really well there either. And so that's why Paul goes from, here's how family. Here's how relationships should work, and here's how the church should work. So he's building this strong foundation of God's standard, right, for not only for the church, but for um, everyone that follows Jesus. <clears throat> and so there's a number of other questions that come up when we're reading this. We're like, well, can somebody be in leadership if they're single? And Paul actually talks about this as well. He calls it the gift of singleness. And so if that's you, then praise God for you throughout life. If that's what you want to do, spend all of your time energy and resources devoted to God. Uh, I've known a number of guys that have been in pastoral roles and deacon and elder roles that um, that was just who they are. That's how God made them. And so I don't want to discount that either because I feel like those questions come up and go, can I serve? Can I be in leadership? Can I do something, right? And the, the answer is always yes. There's a place for you to serve no matter who you are. <clears throat> what about being sober-minded? Um, I love that word here, sober-minded or temperate. Uh, it's the nephileos in the um, Greek. Uh, means to be free from mind-compromising influence. You know, I think about you know, the obvious things in our culture. What, what's our culture just like done really well um, in this season? I mean, not just coming out of COVID, but, but every you know, next bad thing that happens, like we should turn to God. That's what we should do. But what does the culture do? There's a lot of self-medicating going on. And I'm like, I'm not just talking about like 
medication, right? There's things that sometimes people take or maybe even are like really clinically depressed or have anxiety and they need that. But, but then I think about other faces too where like we're, we're, you're fine, right? Maybe you don't have like a real chemical imbalance or anything that's going on with you, uh, but you go like, I just am stressed. So like I'm going to go and I'm just going to like watch TV all day. Like this is what I need to do. Or I'm going to go and I'm just going to like eat a whole bag of Cheetos, right? I don't know <laughs> what, what it is um, for you. Um, but we do those kind of things, right? And sometimes we don't even think about them. We're just like, I just need to feel better. So I'm going to do something. And maybe it's not the most healthy thing. So when I think about this, and I've just been praying over this, it's someone who, who doesn't allow those things to control them, who doesn't go, I'm, I'm just going to medicate. And, like there's, there, and, and a lot of times we go like, it's not a big deal. But when you get in the habit of doing that, when you get in the habit of just going like, I just need things to feel better for a moment so that I can be okay, right? And um, <clears throat> I know, but I know it's been tough. And so I like what uh, Paul says to the Corinthian church too in 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven. This is his approach to discipline, and we could learn something from it. He says, "But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize." And no one were reading this were like that was good for Paul and that was good for Timothy. Like, uh, you know, yeah, pastor, man, you should do that. Be disciplined. But, but what should we all be doing with our minds, with our bodies, with our hearts? Um, we should be devoted to God. And if we know if we belong to him, then uh, we were bought at a high price. Remember, we talked about that as well, um, that we've been bought by his blood. And so Paul says, that since this thing was costly, like, what are we going to do with it? What should church leadership be doing, being doing with it? Well, it should, we should be the example, of course, so we should be disciplining Everything about ourselves, we should be sober-minded or temperate, um, not allowing something else to control us. If you've been reading throughout Romans um, in the quiet time, we've been in the last couple of chapters, Paul talks about his struggle. Like, I love that it's okay to not be okay. <laughs> like, leaders in the Bible were like, there's a struggle. There's this thing, there's the flesh, the flesh, and it, it pulls on us constantly, doesn't it? We don't have to pretend. Like, I know we come to church and we're like, everything's good, I'm good, you're good. Okay, great, everybody's good, right? I know Peter, he's laughing over there. He's like, yeah, man. <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, no, everybody's not perfect, right? Everything's not good all the time, and it's okay not to be okay. When Paul talks about this, you look in Romans, he's like, there's this thing that's pulling on me. It's the flesh, and I don't want to do the things that it wants me to do, right? I want to do what the Spirit wants me to do. And so there's this war going on inside of me all the time. And so what is this about? Like when Paul's talking about leadership here, he's not going, if you're not perfect, then you can't serve. Right? That's not what he's saying. Right? He's going, here's the standard. Here's what we should be pursuing. And when we fall, when we make mistakes, how should the church treat that? Like, here's what the church and here's what culture is used to doing. Oh, you made a mistake? <sighs> Boot, right? That's, that's what we're good at as a culture. But, but what should the church be doing, right? Should, we should be building up and praying for our leaders and going like, oh, you had a tough day? Man, let me pray for you, right? Because leadership does too. And this isn't about a list of like, if you don't do the right thing all the time, then God's going to be mad at you. No, Paul's going, here's a pursuit. I'm going to discipline my body, make it a slave, so that after I've preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified. I don't want to be a slave to sin. I mean, we're one or the other, right? We can't be lukewarm, either serve God. Right? You ever tried to stand on a fence, by the way? It doesn't work very well, right? Especially those like pokey ones at the top. You're like, I'm going to try to stay here, but it's not working super well. I'm in a lot of pain. It just, yeah, it doesn't last, right? So you're going to fall on one side or the other. So who are we going to serve? Well, we've got to be self-controlled for one thing. So that, that, that's a great word too. Self-controlled, sophran in the Greek. Um, they're in complete control, curbing one's desire and impulses. So obviously this is a pursuit 
Do we like have moments where we're like, I cannot believe you just cut me off, right? On the road, you're going, yeah, you will be sorry. I'm going to tell you and don't even think about brake checking me because then it's just going to get a whole lot worse for you, right? <laughs> you're like, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. We go to church. We don't do that, right? Sometimes we do. So we need to be self-controlled though, right? Yeah. Uh, our leadership does. We need to be the example, but we all have bad days, right? We all have hard times. Um, what about being respectable? Cosmeos in the Greek, it's an interesting word. It's actually this word that's like, it's kind of in comparison to modesty uh, for ladies. So it's this word being respectable. Um, <clears throat> what should the leader in God's church be like, right? I know we're kind of in that, and it's, I think my generation's kind of messed it up, right? Because there's those preachers who like get up and they have like the long beards and they're like wearing a hat on stage backwards or whatever. I don't want to knock any, what any other church does. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so there are some guys that would say like, it doesn't matter how I live, doesn't matter what I do, you know, I can live any way I want to, and I can, you know, be a pastor, a leader in the church, I can play video games all day, if you like video games, I'm not knocking those, video games are okay, just, you know, it's like, what, what are you doing with your life, like, what is your pursuit, if, if the culture, like, looks at us, especially leaders, and they go, like, I'm not sure I would follow that guy anywhere, right, um, <clears throat> maybe there's a problem, right, so, and, and I don't want to hold, like, this microscope of, like, you know, if you're not exactly like this, or if you're not some sort of, you know, um, cookie cutter cut out of a Christian, then you cannot serve because God uses everybody. But here's what I want to emphasize. Um, we should, when people look at us, right, people especially look at the leadership of the church, they should go, I think that's a respectable person. Like there shouldn't be any doubt about who they are, okay? And so Paul says this, it's important, and especially for Timothy, what were people thinking about Timothy? He was a young pastor. And for that time, <clears throat> he was probably in like his mid to late 30s, <clears throat> and so the culture was used to going, like, people in religious positions of authority, you, you got to be, like, retirement age. Like, you know, you don't get that position. You're, like, uh, you're an intern, basically, until you're, like, retirement age, and they're, like, you can be a priest, or you can be this person, and when you're, like, on, like, the doorstep, like, you're going, like, I don't know how much longer they might be around, but we're going to put them in a position of leadership, um, and I'm not knocking wisdom or anything like that, but when Paul's talking to me, going, hey, he's going, hey, Timothy, I, I know people are going, like, they don't trust you. They don't think you're respectable. But in a couple of weeks, we'll get to hear from our students too. They'll talk about that, how God has positioned a lot of different kinds of people at different places who all look different at different phases of life in leadership. But if we can't, in, in a good way, relate to our culture and go like, man, that person is respectable, right? We should be about that. Uh, what about hospitable? <clears throat> so, philoxenos in the um, Greek, it's basically just this idea that like, if somebody walks in, like anybody in leadership should not uh, show favoritism, treat anybody badly. Um, I think about like, you know, the way that we dress. We talked about that last week, and it doesn't really matter like, how, you, how you come in and how we uh, worship God. That's not what we should care about. But <clears throat> I was taking this class recently. It was a counseling course, and um, the professor had mentioned something I hadn't really thought about. And um, he said, you know, have you ever walked in, and there's like you know, a group of people over here, a group of people over there, and you can tell the kind of people who are wearing like the, the expensive suits. And he said the word Canelli. And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so if you don't know what that is, I learned something new too. So um, they, they're these suits. It's like, like the one of the highest end suits you can get for a guy. It's called a Canelli suit. And the jacket alone is like $2,500. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not ever going there. <laughs> but, uh, it's like, yeah, like the $100 suits from like, um, you know, what is it? The... Men's warehouse or whatever, you know? Uh, so, like, that's the extent of, you know, like, more, more wardrobe. And he said that, and I was like, wow, like, what, what if somebody walked in 
and somehow you could tell the difference between a $2,500 suit and a $100 suit and go, I think, I think we're going to be hospitable to that person. We want that person to go to church here. We want that person to be, you know, be in here. And so um, as leaders, um, you know, myself and the deacon board, like there, there's no way we should ever show any sort of favoritism towards anybody. We should be hospitable to all, right? Really, we should all be doing that too. So somebody walks in, doesn't matter how they come in, right? It matters. God matters to him. His, our hearts matter more. Now, what about able to teach? So that's important, I guess, right? Uh, so able to teach, um, here in the Greek, it just it, it's used this phrase, skillful in teaching a person um, should not be a novice. Maybe you've been doing it for a little while. Um, and I love that, I, I think when we were first having this conversation about um, us coming to the church, I remember the first couple of phone calls I had with Matt, um, one of our deacons on the phone, and and uh, at the time, uh, I guess I just turned 30, and I was going, like, I'd been doing ministry for about 10 years. I've been working with students and kids and teaching in that setting, but um, as Christy and I were praying, we were like, we really feel like God's moving us into this role, and I was like, I don't know if I'm ready. Like, am I? You know, I was having a lot of those thoughts. Uh, Matt and I had talked about it a lot, and I talked with the search committee, um, and I asked this question, like, you know, are you guys taking a chance on me? I mean, think about it. A guy who's young, who's moving into this position, um, you guys have been so graceful, so I just want to say thank you for that. Um, from this position of talking about it and talking about the, what the expectations are, uh, there's times you're going like, if, if I was in that position, would I take a chance on somebody that young, you know? And I think about Timothy, too. I, you know, I relate all this stuff back to him as Paul's talking to him, and he's going, are you able to teach? I hope so. Um, a lot of schooling, a lot of time, a lot of time working under other guys, and so I hope that's affirmed for you, and especially with our deacons as well when they get opportunities to teach. But, uh, but, uh, oh, we're only in verse 3. Okay, don't worry. We're going to keep going, right? We'll get through it. Right? Verse 2, what time is it? So uh, <clears throat> verse 3, uh, they're not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. So uh, here's a good list of things, right? And we should all kind of adhere to this, but especially when you look to leadership, we should go, shouldn't get wasted, right? Okay, that's a good... Uh, Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. <laughs> shouldn't, uh, shouldn't get wasted, right? Not a drunkard, okay? Um, not violent, okay? So there's a problem, um, you know, if the pastor of the church or if a deacon, and everybody has a bad day, right? Everybody can have bad days, okay? Uh, so I'm not saying that we don't. You shouldn't have um, grace on us, but there's a problem if, uh, if you're getting snapped at, you know, all the time. And, um, and, I, and I've had my fair share of people being upset at me and yelling in my face, but you know, the truth is that um, we should never respond in kind to people, right? Um, and believers as a whole um, should respond in, in kindness to others. So we're not violent but gentle, um, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And again, like we talked about last week, this is not some like, weird version of like Christian pacifism, like don't defend the innocent, the weak, um, go to the aid of your family, like take care of people, right? That's what we should do, and especially as men and leaders in the church. They're not quarrelsome. I mean, you know the kind of person that's just looking for a fight right? That, that maybe shouldn't be the person leading the church, right? Or leading really in any capacity. A, you, know, you think about um, the concepts, you, you see cartoons kind of sometimes about like the president, and he's got like the nuclear, you know, button device. Andy and I talk about this sometimes. It's scary to think about, but you got the guy with like the briefcase, and he opens it up, and it's like, is, that, is it really just one person? Hopefully not. Uh, it's really just one person if they have a bad day, right? They can just push that button. Now, uh, for us as a church, you know, we've got a great system of accountability, our deacons, and we work um, together, our vision for the church and direction. So, um, yeah, not quarrelsome, um, not just looking for an opportunity to light somebody up. That's not what we should be about. Um, and then a lo- lover of 
money, so pursue. We're kind of getting sucked into that. I mean, we know our culture is about that. How much can I get? How much can I accumulate for my life? And Christy and I were talking about this yesterday. You know, it's like it doesn't really matter how much you can possibly accumulate in your entire life. Like what really matters? Well, knowing God, uh, making sure that you communicated that throughout your life, that when you're gone, like your kids will go, I think there was something about what they said about God, or the things that they remember and that they develop their own faith. And so when you're gone, it's like, okay, I'm not worried because we were concerned about the things that mattered, right? It's not like they don't know. I mean, you know, I, I'm always thinking about that now. Like, it matters what we say. Like, because what happens, what, is the, what does the scripture say about the overflow of our mouth? It's what's coming out of our heart. And uh, you can't just, you can't pretend like that doesn't exist or shade over, right? So, so God knows. Our kids will know, right? And the church will know over time. Um, in verse 4, it says, He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. If anyone's figured out how to do that, let me know. Um, so if, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, uh, how will he care for God's church? So there's this um, big emphasis on effort, right? So a lot of us think like when we see that, we're like, wish I could do that. <laughs> and, and I think that too, it's like with little kids too, you know, you're thinking like at some point, someone will say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and just do what I say the first time, you know? Like if, uh, if that, never, oh, thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. She's like, never, never. It's our encouragement for today. <laughs> Never, right? It's okay. It does speak the truth, right? Uh, so well, what does verse 5 tell us? So we're looking for this submission, right? We want that, but at the same time, even in church leadership, like that's difficult. And at times I think, what are we good at again? What is our culture good at? A pastor makes a mistake or like a deacon or his, or his kids, you know, having issues or like it's one of the number of things like I wake up in the morning and I just have anxiety about it. Like I'm praying, I'm like, God. Anything can, like anything can happen to me. Like I, you know, I don't care. But like, would you pre- preserve and protect my kids? Right, would you keep them close to you? Like I'm praying for that every single day. I hope you guys are too. So, so what's one of these keys to seeing that, or at least seeing that maybe over the long term, um, obedience becoming a regular thing, at least obeying God, being close to Him ourselves. For if anyone says, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will we care for God's church? So this is less about like looking at leadership and being like, if you ever make a mistake, then. <laughs> We have a problem. We have a problem with you. No, it's going like let's walk in grace together, and and then go. Okay, we make mistakes. That's okay. Um, we should do that for each other as well. But manage your household well. There should be some sort of pursuit. Like if you go home at the end of the day, even if it's been a long day, Dad, and like you sit on the couch and you're like, "Don't talk to me." Like there's a problem there, right? So a dad should be there. A dad should be available, right? Um, and and how can he how can he lead the church if he can't do that? Okay. I'm talking to myself just as much as anybody else. In verse 6, it says, He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Um, it's not a surprise when I walked up, you know, that youth camp and I was like, God wants me to you know, serve in ministry. He wants me to be a pastor. No one walked up to me and be like, Hey, we have this church we want you to be a pastor of at 17, right? No, most places not doing that. Most churches, they're going, Why don't you get some experience? And then... Uh, <laughs> We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you afterwards, right? It's kind of like maybe when the doctor comes in or the assistant of the doctor and like, hey, there's this guy, he's learning. Like, is it okay if he's here? Yeah, it's okay for him to be there. Like, could he perform this procedure on you, by the way? I mean, the doctor's a little busy and uh, he's, he's done it like once. So I think he knows how to do it. Most would be like, no. No, like he can watch and he can like, he can learn what to do, but don't let him, don't let him touch me, okay? <laughs> I'm already a little bit nervous about him standing in the room, but he can be there. Um, just don't do anything else, okay, right? So, um, so it can be a recent convert, right? So we should be on guard for that. As the church as a whole, we should be 
um, accountable um, to those things. <clears throat> Verse 7, so moreover he must uh, be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. So what's one of the keys for our leadership, for um, our church? Like, you know, there's a problem if we walk outside of these doors and we act different than in here, right? We treat people badly. We don't, um, we're not sharing the love of God, of Christ. We're not being graceful with people. Um, it's a problem, right? And so I want you, the church to know as well, everybody listening, um, we should really all be responsible and accountable to each other. So as we see each other operating outside of this place, um, yes, there should be encouragement, but there should be this expectation that we live differently than the rest of the world, right? Um, we should be an encouragement to those. And I know many of you in here are that. So that's the pastor elder. What about the deacon? So uh, we've covered the pastor elder position, which I really do feel like our guys kind of fall into that area um, because they help teach and provide spiritual direction. Um, but what about the deacon? What does it say? Well, verse 8, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. Um, <clears throat> that word diakonos in the New Testament, in the Greek, it's used throughout the New Testament in a lot of different forms, a lot of different ways. Um, I'll mention a few of them to you. This is Jesus responding to the sons of Zebedee's mom, a couple of the disciples' mom. She's like, hey, can these guys sit at your left and right when you're in heaven? Right? Seems like an inappropriate question to ask from the beginning, but this is how Jesus responds to her in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. But Jesus called to, them, called to him and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So who's the greatest example of this, of leadership in the church? Anybody who serves in any position should be a servant. Why? I mean, Jesus, what did he say here? He goes, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And what did he do? He laid his life down as a ransom. For many. That's the good news for us. We've got the greatest example. I, I love those bracelets. I wish we would bring them back. It's like, what would Jesus do? <laughs> you know, like we don't see any of those anymore. But if we ask that question more often, we might act a little bit differently, right? In Acts chapter 6, we see really this um, institution of the deacons. So uh, there's seven that are chosen. It says in verse 1 of chapter 6 in Acts, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Verse 2, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So that's the same word there, to serve tables. So there was this group that was brought on, these, this group of servants who were brought on to help facilitate ministry. And so the apostles, the leaders of the church, the pastors were going like, let us just be focused on preaching, getting ready for that, um, praying. And I love that we have such a great um, community, such a great church and leaders in our church that help um, facilitate a lot of these roles. Uh, but that's essential. I, I, I got to tell you, like, some of the um, best time that I spend in regards to what I do on a regular basis is studying and praying uh, for you and uh, for the word um, that we're going to talk about um, on that Sunday. Um, so that's good. It's, it's got to be a part of every church. So what does he need to be? Dignified. He needs to not be a liar. Right? So that's a, that's a good thing. He shouldn't be telling things that are untrue. Um, again, not a lover of money. One of the things about the deacons when they were instituted in Acts um, they were in charge of helping with the daily distribution. So there were these people, the Hellenists, who were like, you're not taking care of people who are in your church. And so they were brought on. They were going, okay, here's, you know, people are giving money to the church. They're giving goods. They're giving food. Can you guys help us make sure that the people who get that 
get that taken care of, right? And so they were taking care of those responsibilities. So if you love money, you probably shouldn't be in charge of the purse strings, just saying, right? So that's not for everybody, but there's people in the church that do that here and that are faithful in that, um, and I'm thankful for it. Then verse 9, they must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. So um, this goes back to teaching as well and understanding the Scripture. So somebody should know what God's Word says. Now, there's always different interpretations and different ways that we take things, but someone should be well-versed with a clear conscience. And in verse 10, let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Now, read this, we go like, wait a second, they have to be perfect. No, nobody's perfect. The only person who was perfect was Jesus, right? But we have the standard that we look to, and we go, this is what we should be aiming for, right? This is what we should be um, approaching. This is what we should be going, here's the standard. Um, and I'll just uh, touch based on the last part here, just because we're at time. So we've got the pastor, we've got the elder. What's the expectation? It's laid out clearly in the scripture. Do we skip over it? No. Are we trying to hide anything? No. Uh, I mean, please, please measure leadership of the church to this. Um, but here's the last part of this. I think we should take note of it. Um, verse 11 says, Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let the deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their household. Well, so um, for our ladies who serve, who serve alongside our deacons and anyone else who's in this position, it, it, it really matters on how we live and how we operate. Must be dignified. So a lot of the similar qualities um, for the deacon as well. Dignified, not slanderers. Um, that word actually um, is interesting in the Greek. It's the word diabolos. Does it sound familiar? That's where Spanish, they get their word for di- diablo, <laughs> the devil. Um, and actually, interestingly enough, defined here, uh, metaphorically, it's used a lot in the New Testament and um, in Greek culture, applied to someone who oppose, opposing to God may be said to act on the part of the devil or side with him. So, like, we think like the things that we say don't matter, but they really do, right? Um, anybody in leadership, anybody who's serving alongside a spouse of a leader, um, we got to think about this, right? Because if we say something that's not true or that's hurtful, or maybe it's just said to, like, make us feel better about ourselves, because we do that too, right? And we kind of play that game sometimes. And Paul's saying, hey, it, it can't be about that either, right? We can't be saying things that are not true, that are slanderous. Whose side are we on? No, we're not on God's side, right? So we need to be sober-minded. Wife similarly needs to be um, tempered. It's actually the same word that's used um, for the elder or pastor, not being allowed to have these compromising influences, right? And there's a lot of them. I mean, we turn on the TV, we go on social media, like, get, get what you need to know, but then turn it off, right? There's no reason to just sit there and you know, soak up the negativity, right? And we do that, and then we wonder why, like, why am I so negative today? <laughs> Things like, you know, bad. We need to get a little more of God's word, maybe, maybe a little more temperance, right? Not being influenced by everything else. Faithful in all things, um, should be reliable, should be dependable. I mean, as leaders, as church leaders, we shouldn't be the kind of person that like, uh, that somebody, you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it. And they're like, hey, um, you said you were going to do that. I forgot. Or you know what? It really wasn't that important. So we should be people of our word, right? So we leave this place as well. So for the elder, for the deacon, um, and for the spouse of somebody who serves in leadership as well. Um, again, husband, one wife, vice versa. Um, so married to one person. And then uh, children. We always come back to children. I'm like, man, <laughs> that wasn't in there. You know, things would be seemingly easier, at least in some aspects. But it's difficult, isn't it, right? So we encourage, we lift up, we give parenting tips. It's been great. I'm always glad to hear those. And then we go, we're doing it together, right? We're doing it together so we have grace on one another. Because here's the last part, verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons, again, a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith 
is in Christ Jesus. So, so what do we need to do? Uh, we need to serve well, right? We need to make the best effort that we can. Um, again, it's not about being perfect, you know, and when you hear this, I think it's, it's easy just to avoid text or like lump over certain aspects of the text like this, but as we're going through the series, I just, I want to try to lay everything out um, so that, you know, and there's, there's nothing that we want to cover up. There's nothing we want to hide. We want to know what the expectation is, but I want to encourage you to, um, that maybe you think like being godly is just for the person who's up there. Maybe, um, and I'm not all the time. Um, and neither are deacons, right? Nobody's perfect. So, but maybe the goal, maybe the aim for us should be like, I want to be somebody who could be qualified to serve God. And I want to tell you that every single one of you can, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing. Um, God's got a place for you to serve. And as we read this today, I don't want you to think that um, the only place you can is the pastorate um, or a deacon. There's so many places to serve. In fact, I've got some things that uh, if you need something to do or if you need a place to serve in the church, I'd uh, be glad to share some of those opportunities with you, okay? So let's think and let's pray on that. Um, maybe you're hearing this like for the first time and, and maybe you've never made a decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus. We always want to give the opportunity for anybody who's here in person or listening online. Um, here's what we believe, um, that if you admit you're a sinner, uh, believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins, and then confess with your mouth that he's the Lord of your life like nobody else is the Lord of your life, um, no other substance, no other person, um, not doing enough good things. It's only Jesus who can save you, okay? Um, so maybe if that's you, you need to walk out of that bondage. Maybe you just need to make that decision for the first time. I want to pray for you and uh, just let you know that I'll be here afterwards if you want to talk, okay? Let's pray. Uh, Father, we um, thank you for this time together. Thank you for uh, the word that you give us. I'm thankful that it's not my word. It's not somebody else's word who has lived and died. Um, we have uh, you, God, eternal. Um, always existent, who created the universe, who gives us um, the way to live and operate, um, how we should do things. Um, God, I pray that we would not see this as, um, you know, a list of to-dos, things that if we fall short on, if we don't do them perfectly right, that you will not love us. God, we, we just read, you said in your word in Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from your love. Um, let us not be bound um, by that. Um, by this idea that if we don't do everything right or we don't do enough good things that you won't care for us or love us or even allow us to serve in the church. Um, God, we thank you. You've given us opportunities. And for those who are in here who are um, believers who know you um, that have never had that opportunity to serve, to find a place of ministry, um, I pray they would think about that today. Um, where do they serve? Where could they be? Um, I pray that we could have a conversation about that. Um, for all those who have served um, in the pastorate, I think about not just myself, but all those who have gone before um, pray you give confidence and assurance to those who are speaking today um, and for all the leaders um, for our deacons who serve the church uh, faithfully in any other position um, that we have here pray you'd encourage and strengthen us to do your will um, to do what you want God not what we want and that's what it's all about and that's uh, your name we pray amen